This is Indie Business Podcast, Episode 64. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Indie Business Podcast. I am your host, mentor, and coach, Donna Maria, the founder and CEO at the Indie Business Network and the hostess of the Indie Cruise Retreat and the Maker Mastermind. My goal is to help you build a solid business foundation, increase your income, and use your business to create the life you love. In this episode, I'll introduce you to Michael McPolin of Birch and Main in Port Jefferson, New York. It's a lifestyle brand offering candles and handcrafted home provisions. Michael has a great deal of professional experience in the retail world. When you combine that with his passion for shopping, he says he can't stop. It will be clear why his retail store is such a huge success. Michael started Birch and Main in 2012. In 2016, he quit working for other people's retail stores so he could lead his brand full-time and open his own store. He is a self-described candle addict, so it's no wonder that the first product he made was candles. He says he burns candles all day and all night, regardless of the season or the temperature. Sounds a little bit like me. Michael has a lot to share about the importance of taking a glassful approach to your business. So settle in, light a candle, and take some notes. You can get a summary for this episode at IndieBusinessNetwork.com forward slash 64. I can't wait to introduce you to Michael McPolin of Birch and Maine in Port Jefferson, New York. But first, this podcast is brought to you by Maker Mastermind Circles, your opportunity to set and slay one audacious goal and too many goals in a 12-week period with the personalized guidance of an experienced entrepreneurial mentor and the support of a private, discreet, and loving community. Doors open only four times a year for each 12-week session, and space is limited. Learn more and apply today at MakerMastermind.com. And now, let's welcome Michael McPollin of Birch and Maine in Port Jefferson, New York. Hello, Michael McPollin from Birch and Maine Candle. How are you today? I'm great, Donna. How are you? I'm really good. I'm so excited to talk with you. So, you know, one of the things that I love about doing this podcast is sharing the fun stories that just make me smile about how people started their businesses. And I recently learned that the name of your business stands for the two streets that you've lived on, one that you grew up in and your first street as an adult. Yeah. And actually, um, we are Birch, Birch, I grew up on Birch Hollow um, yeah. and that's pretty much where I spent a majority of my life. And on Main Avenue was actually where I bought my first house. And we started Birch and Main out of that house um, because we just started out kind of making candles out of my kitchen, my own personal use. And then that soon blossomed to a business. So it was kind of like incorporating the two crossroads of my life and bringing them into yours since scent and like the personal body care that we do can be very uh, personal, you know? So I wanted to bring a little piece of me into my product when you purchase it and with the name of the brand as well. Well, there is such a beautiful connection there. And I tell you, I feel like, um, because I didn't know that when I first experienced your products, but when I read it later, immediately, like in my heart, I was like, wow, I feel like I know, I know him. Like, I feel like I know him a little bit because he's taken these two pieces of his life that are important to him and incorporated them into a business. And I've done the same thing. And that feels 
like so comforting. So I just like, I love that. And I love that you put that into your story so everyone can see it. And who can't relate to having your life intersect and create something new out of the intersection that you exactly. didn't think was even possible. So you come from a corporate background, like you have a long corporate history. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of your quote unquote corporate life and how it, okay. how it you know, evolved and led you to where you are here now? Of course. Well, back in my younger days, my college days, I was actually going to school to study interior design. Um, I was I was at Buffalo State. I didn't stay there too long. I only finished out a semester because at that time I wasn't too crazy about Buffalo in general, but I was also working in retail at that time and I was moving up so quickly. I was in store field, like field level. Um, that it wouldn't work out for me to continue my college education because what I was making in retail was far surpassed what I would get fresh out of college. And I really enjoyed what I was doing. So I kind of stuck with that retail. Um, and I did a lot. I did low end, I did medium end, and I did luxury. And then my last position that I was recently at before I left to do Birch and Main full time, I was actually a store manager in a high volume theory clothing store, contemporary clothing store. And I was doing operations for our entire district. You know, I was, I had a really good salary. I was, I was in a, a solid position. And then it was around December of 2016 and Birchamine was already in swing at this point, you know, selling to family and friends. We would do markets, things like that. Um, I, I just had I, a dream and it's kind of corny to say, but I really had a dream. I was one night laying in bed and then I just envisioned myself. Why don't I have my own store? Why am I doing this for myself? You know, people love my product. People love what I'm doing. I come from this field. Why don't I let them experience it firsthand with my own store? And so that background that I had in retail definitely helped me open my own brick and mortar for Birch and Main. Um, but that's how it all happened. And now you have two, two brick and mortars, right? We've actually, we did have two brick and mortars. We've closed the first brick and mortar, um, not for purposes of it wasn't doing well. It was actually at this point in time, a little too much to handle, um, to do both locations. Our wholesale is growing really well right now. Mm -hmm. um, we're doing classes outside of business hours, like little workshops. So to do all that, it was just a little too much right now to keep both. Um, so we only have the one, the bigger location now, but towards the future, that is the plan to continue to open up more stores. So Michael, Birch and Main started, I think, was it 2012 when you, when you yes. first, very first, okay, so 2012. So you worked in your traditional job from 2012 until, was it 2016? Yes. Yeah. So well, what was that like? Like, for, that's a long time to do that. How did you split your attention? And, and like, what did you learn that you can share with other makers who are interested in, you know, eventually transitioning out of a full-time gig into their own business like you did? You have to be ready for it, honestly. Um, and you have to know there's going to be a lot of sacrifice. I think, well, most indies from what I've seen, especially in our little group, they know the work that it's going to take and they're willing to put in that work. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people look at, businesses and think that, oh, it's easy. They're their own boss. They can do whatever they want. They're only working 20 hours a week. When in reality, you have to be willing if you're going to leave a corporate job or a job that, you know, you're working for somebody else and you're going to do something on your own, that more than likely you're going to be working double what you were working at your previous employer when you're working for yourself. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of work. There's a lot of energy that goes into it. 
And when I was doing both my corporate job and Birch and Maine, I didn't have time. It was literally a 24-7 gig. You know, there was no personal time. There was no going to parties. It was going to my full-time job, coming home, doing making, doing advertising for Birch and Maine, and then waking up and doing it all over again. So you just have to be willing to put in the time. And that word sacrifice, you know, it's funny, you just described me when I, when I left my job the first time. I was the one, I, I, I don't know, this might make you laugh, it's kind of embarrassing. I was the one who was thinking, ooh-wee, 20 hours a week. I was so bad. I ended up going back to a job, like going back to my old job with my resume in my hand and begging. Like, <laughs> thankfully, they took me back. But you're so, you're so right. When you say sacrifice, so, so I want to explore that a bit, Michael, because sacrifice is a word that some people are like, oh, oh sacrifice. But tell me how you feel about, like maybe, is, is it too much to say it's like the gift of being able to sacrifice to create something of your own? Almost like what, is it a privilege to you to be able to make those sacrifices so you can build something that you think is going to be, you know, lasting and really touching the world in a way that you might not have been able to done to have done through your traditional job? Donna, that's a really good question. Um, a little bit. Yeah. I never actually looked at it from that perspective, but yeah, yeah, I think that's what kept me pushing through, you know? And I also knew what I wanted to do. I knew where I wanted the brand to go. I knew what I wanted to do with it. And I wasn't going to let anything get in the way of that. And not everyone has that, that quality, that trait. Mm -hmm. So not everyone's going to be successful in business. But listen, if you don't take the chance, you're never going to know. So... If you could do it, I say do it, but you have to know that you, you're, it's going to be a lot of time and a lot of effort. There's going to be literal blood, sweat, and tears going into it. But if what, what's at the end of that tunnel, what's in that light worth it, then you, you, you make it through, you know? Yeah, yeah. So your story of actually making candles started with um, black spots on your ceiling. Tell us about that. That's actually, yeah. Well, I'm an avid candle burner. I'm sure plenty of you guys are, but I am a candle, like, freak. I have a candle burning in almost every room in my house every single day of the year. It doesn't matter if it's 90 degrees or 20 degrees. Um, and I wasn't biased to any sort of candle. I would buy any candle I would see from the dollar store, TJ Maxx, Indies, any kind of candle. If it was a candle I like, I bought it. And um, in the house that I had bought on Maine, uh, we... The, it was completely redone. We had the floors like a really dark wood and we had left the walls all white, a really kind of chic, sophisticated look. And then I would say a year, a year and a half into living in the house, we started getting these black soot marks in the cracks of the ceilings and along the cracks of the wall. And we had baseboard heating and stuff, me and my husband. So we thought it was possibly from that. So we call in the oil people to come check it out. And as soon as they came in the house, they said, it's, you, you burn candles, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I burn them quite often. And he's like, well, it's from candles. That's soot from candles. So I really didn't understand how soot from a little candle could do that. So I started doing research and looking more into it. And there's a lot of things, chemicals or additives that commercial candle companies will put into their product. So when you're burning, it's not super great for you to be burning, especially at the rate that I was burning them at. If you're only burning that kind of candle once in a while, you're totally fine. But I was burning them every single day, all the time. So that's what got me into 
learning how to make candles and keep all that yucky stuff out of it. And that kind of blossomed into its own little business rather quickly, actually. Um, and then the candles just kind of grew into me doing body stuff, lotions and soaps and scrubs. You know, it's funny that you mentioned about being a candle freak. Like I never, I did not grow up with candles. And despite the fact that I, I kind of, I used to make candles. They were not, they weren't this kind of embarrassing candles, but I used to make them. Um, and, and I, I discovered this subscription box where you could get like six candles every month. And I remember when I looked at it online, I was like, how could you even burn six candles a month? Like who does that? And then honestly, I know you, right. But I didn't know anybody like that. Like I didn't know anyone like that. So I, I literally, I started buying some of my members candles and yours was one of them. And I, and you know, I didn't place a tiny little order when I ordered from you. I, I don't remember what I got, but I got a lot of stuff. And I remember thinking, and then I burned them all like in a week, all your candles were gone. Cause I burned them all night. And I only burn them in my bedroom, right? I put them in the bathroom because I have, you know, nice little entryway from the bathroom to the bedroom. I'd burn them in there and they'd be gone in like, you know, because I, I, didn't, I didn't blow the candles out. And then I understood, like, there is this obsession and, I, you know, I've, I'm taking the pledge. I have so many candles right now. So I love that you are making these amazing things. How, how did it blossomed from just candles to other things. Like, was that an intentional thing or did people come ask you for other stuff? Um, well, I think it was more intentional on my end. I wasn't ever, the candles, I knew what I, I wanted to kind of build a business off of that. But after I started thinking about the candles and, you know, everyone is always concerned about the kind of food that they're putting in their body. That's number one. Everyone wants to be organic, GMO, vegan, this, that. I'm like, I wasn't even, of course, I think about my food. I never thought about my candles. And, but then once I learned about it, I'm like, but what about the stuff that I'm putting on my body as well? Like if they can put that in the candle, what are they putting in our body products? And I'm sure people have looked at their shampoo bottles or their lotion bottles while they're in the bathroom or in the shower, they read the back ingredient list, but you never really pay attention to it. But after eyes were open to all the crazy stuff that you can put in these products and get away with, it just made me want to educate myself further. So that's kind of, and it was a challenge, you know, let me see what I can do. I want to make this as natural as possible. I want to make it as luxurious as possible and still feel good on my skin because I've also found, because I'm an avid shopper on top of burning candles, I can't stop shopping. Um, I found there was, I've tried a lot of brands and I tried indie brands. I've tried handmade, homemade, None of them really were what I was looking for. I have crazy skin. It's either too dry, too oily. It never wants to make up its mind. So nothing was really truly working for me for what I needed for my skin type. And that's kind of what really pushed me into expanding further. And then once I learned the ropes, I kind of just went crazy. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of pictures of you in your store of, of, you know, um, you know, little settings inside your store. And, you know, it's kind of, I guess, a good thing that you're a little crazy shopper because you, it shows, like it shows, like your attention to detail and what you want a shopping experience to be like comes through in these images that I've seen. So 
Yeah. Tell me this, like, I, I know that it's, it's clearly, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it really seems like a natural gift to you. And I know you learn as you go, like everyone else, but it really seems like sort of something that's sort of natural to you. Um, what tips can you offer to other people who need to create these kinds of settings in a store, on Instagram, or what have you, that, that speak volumes, like one image to speak a volume, or one little corner, you know, with a little table setting with their products on it. What tips can you offer to people to sort of, you know, approach that in a way that can tell the types of stories and have the type of shopping experience draw in that you do? Well, number one, I think you have to stay true to the brand. That's most important. So whatever your aesthetic is, um, you know, our, our whole theme is apothecary, kind of a little bit more masculine, but we want it to be able to still fit into anyone's home or aesthetic. Um, but when you're setting up, especially for like a product shoot or just to display stuff in your store, get inspiration, go online, look at other brands that you like, other brands that you admire. Um, you know, and if you, if you have a personal aesthetic that you like, if you like dressing a certain way, if you like decorating a certain way, infuse that into whatever you're trying to merchandise or bring to life with a picture. Uh, but inspiration is number one. Like I said, I'm a crazy shopper. And as you said, it shows with my store, the way I place everything and things I have, but go on Pinterest. Um, other, there's a hundreds of indies, especially part of this network that we have here with the indie business. Um, go through there, you know, ask friends and family, get ideas. I never do something without asking someone's opinion first. And that may not be the best word of advice, but that's just how I am because I like to see how other people are going to interact with it, how other people see it, what their perception of what I'm doing is. So I like to get a little bit of everything from everybody. That's such, such great advice. Um, so why a retail store? Now you started, you had your, you had a job. So, you know, probably retail store obviously wasn't even in the pictures at the beginning, but how did you decide that a retail store would be right for you? Right. Because you started with your business online, right? You were just selling yeah. the candles on the internet. Yeah. And it was solely um, online. Oh, we didn't do any wholesale in the beginning because I wasn't ready to give up that 50%. Um, unfortunately, I just wanted it all myself. So it was online, um, but on doing it online, especially in such a saturated market, um, was a little challenging. And especially with uh, candles and body stuff, it's hard to get the feeling across of what the notes are, what it smells like, what the lotion's going to make your skin feel like. Unless you're willing to take the chance and just try it out, not many people are like that. They want to interact with it first. So I also started doing trade shows, not trade shows, um, like fairs and markets and shows like that. And it just wasn't our customer. And we, no matter what kind of event we did, uh, fair we went to, if it was all for eco things and green, or if it was for art, like mostly artistic, artsy people, it just, we would do okay. It just wasn't what we wanted. So we're like, how do we get our brand message across and what we're mm -hmm. trying to do? what story we're trying to tell with our product because it's not working on a little six foot table. Uh, it definitely helped that I had a retail background. I will not lie about that because I knew the ins and the outs and I've worked in a lot of different positions in that retail industry that I got a little taste of everything, operations, merchandising, buying. Um, so that definitely helped, but I knew I needed to get my story across because it wasn't working solely online. 
and doing these trade shows and stuff that wasn't getting the message across. So that really pushed me to want to open up a store and design it the way that the brand would want to be showcased. So Michael, you open a store. So tell me this, um, when you're thinking about how um, limiting, and that's my word, not yours, but that's what I'm hearing, that the online marketplace, for whatever reason, was somewhat limiting for you. Tell me this, when you decided to open a store, because it's obviously limited to the people who are physically there, did you feel that there would be a different kind of a limitation? Was that a concern at all? You know, that's funny that you say that because um, I never I never thought of that aspect. I just always thought of it like, how many more people is this going to expose me to? Of course, having the right market and putting your store in the right location, location, location is uh-huh. But all I saw was I'm going to be able to tell my story. They're going to, it's going to, they're going to get it. They're going to understand what we're doing. Um, and I want to share my passion for this product with the masses. I want to be able to interact and put it on their skin myself. I want to open up the candle lid and talk, like hand it to them so they can smell it. Because part of my brand is me. I'm front and center. I'm in my retail door, store seven days a week. I'm still here doing it. You know, I want my passion for what I'm doing to come across the customer. So I never thought that it would be limiting to who would be coming in my door. I looked at it as more of an opportunity. It's going to give me more opportunity for buyers to come through my door who possibly own shops and may want to carry my line. People from out of state when they're visiting on vacation that they may have never came across my website just online or been in a fair that was in the local area. Uh, It's given me a chance to build long lasting relationships with the locals because they'll trust me more that I do have a brick and mortar. And you know, it's a place that they can come like that and pick up right there instead of waiting for something to ship. So I never looked at it that I would be limited to just the community. I saw everything that comes with the community, the word of mouth, the the visitors coming and all that. I love that you said that. You didn't see it as limiting because there were other things that were coming with the community. And um, you being there in your store all the time, obviously, is probably one of the main reasons people that come back. Um, I know yeah. your products are great, too. But so listen, so you, so you started selling online, then you did some shows and fairs, then you opened a store, and then was wholesale sort of number four in the queue here? Actually, I would say wholesale in the store actually kind of lined up. I skipped over that little chapter, but they kind of lined up together. Once I realized that the website itself, me selling direct to consumer, wasn't going to be the big boom or the big jump that I needed and the fares weren't helping, I obviously, and any indie that's on the fence about doing wholesale, I advise them, just do it. Listen, it's okay to give up that 50% profit margin. I know it's a little hard sometimes, but without the support that I've also had from my stockists and the people buying my product, I also wouldn't be who I am today either because they're introducing my product to a completely different customer that I wouldn't be able to reach. So me giving up that percentage of profit to get myself on their shelves was totally worth it in the long run. I just didn't see that in the beginning. I wasn't willing to see that because I, I was a little selfish. I wanted it all for myself, you know? But so I how th- did you start to see it? Like, what happened? Did did you get a wholesale order or two just by chance and then went, wow, this is great. They're coming back for more. I mean, how did you see it? Did you? 
Well, it was actually, it started out of one fair I was at one day. There was a store out in one of the villages that's close nearby. And she's like, ooh, I love your stuff. Do you do wholesale? And I'm like, no, not at this time. You know, we're not really into the wholesale yet. And she's like, well, if you ever do wholesale, I want your stuff for my store. So a couple weeks later, I was at her store. And she had three other candle lines. And they're all local handmade candle lines as well. So I'm like, she saw something in my product line that she so wanted my stuff, despite the fact that she already has three candle lines there. So maybe I do have something special. Maybe I do need to share it with more people. So it was just that little light bulb that went off that I needed that made me realize that wholesale really could help me a lot. And then as I started opening up my store, uh, she was the first wholesale account we, we got. I let her know we're just going to start doing wholesale. And that one wholesale account helped me get another wholesale account. And then, of course, having this store helped me get a few more. And then the wholesale is kind of just growing now. So, so not only do you have this eye for detail and decor, um, are, are you also the nose behind the scents in your candles and products? Not, not fully. I can't take all the credit for that. Uh, I'm, I'll be the final nose. Um, but I do have a production assistant, Ken, and he does most of like the scent picking and the blending and things like that. Um, but I'm like the final nose. Problem is, though, of, to be the only notes, I think you need a few noses in the pot because there's a lot of profiles like that I don't like that have actually turned out to be really decent sellers on my shelf. Mm-hmm. Helps having different noses in the pot. Well, you know, and the reason I ask is because your 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 fragrances are really really nice. I mean, I've tried the soap. I think there was an almond soap, and I just have to tell everyone, you guys. The Caramel Nut Crunch is, is, is a, I think it's a fall limited edition. Um, and the, the Hansel and Gretel too, right? Okay, awesome. Yes. Okay, write those down and go get them. So, but we're in the middle, no, write, write them down in your calendar um, on October 17th. And then go get them or November, whenever they have them, right? Because you need to remind yourself to do this. But since we are not in the fall right now, we're in the summer. What are your best-selling summer scents, Michael? Oh, my God. Southampton. Um, Southampton, hands down, is like our number one scent. It's a floral kind of sweet infusion with salty undertones. Really, really beautiful. It's great kitchen candle, bedroom candle, living room candle. Um, coconut lime. You can't go wrong how, how more seasonal is coconut limes during the summer. Mm-hmm. And one of my personal favorites, but it's one of my personal favorites year-round, is fig tray. I just love figs. Anything citrus, I'm all about. Um, and we actually, we came out with a grapefruit mint two months ago. And that one's been really popular too, if you like citrus. And it just has that little hint of mint to round off that like citrusy note. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And your campfire is awesome too. The campfire is awesome. Oh, thank I know, you. And see, this goes back to my background of thinking that I'm not a candle addict. Like, like you helped to change my life in that way. Let me just tell you, because I used to think candles were for fall. And so that's why if you yeah. the order I placed, it was like, I wanted all the fall stuff. Well, now I, I love them no matter what. I have to be careful though, because I'm not a rosy type floral type of girl. Um, yes. So I, I don't like those sorts of things. But when I think of your brand, that's not what I think of anyway. So no, <laughs> I could probably, yeah. 
So Michael, so, so the store, like stores are expensive. Like, do you have, um, do, did, did you have like any sort of financial assistance, a total bootstrapping going on here? How are you managing to have, you know, that you've got the wholesale, plus you're buying, you know, ingredients and supplies for like multiple different types of products, which requires multiple different types of packaging. How are you um, handling uh, some of the financial end of that? Uh, well, for, uh, to answer a few questions there, the packaging, um, we try to keep our packaging as minimal as possible. I know there's some brands out there that I really envy because their packaging is so beautiful and we would love to do something like that. But not only does it help costs, it also helps put something in our mission statement that we do use as little packaging as possible. And the things that we do use can be reused. So that does help cost a little bit. Um, with opening the store, you, luckily we were, we were good that the business was solid enough that it can always take care of buying for itself. But opening the store, obviously I didn't have all that capital just sitting right in my pocket. So I did take out a personal, a personal loan and invested that into the business to get us off the ground. So good. That's so good. So um, it sounds like you have been very deliberate in terms of your planning. It doesn't sound like you just kind of threw all caution to the wind. Um, which is what I did the first time I opened that business. That was they my people. <laughs> I tell you, like literally, I'm driving around the first week I quit my job. I have my retail store. I'm driving around, and I remember literally this thought, Michael. I'm driving down the highway, and I saw all these cars on the highway, and I was like, "Don't these people have jobs? Like, why don't these? People, why? What? Why? I've been in this corporate jungle all these years. Yep. All these people here, and then my next thought was." How do I get them into my store? Which obviously is not the right time to ask that question after you've quit your job. So um, <laughs> I never really figured that out. It never worked out for me. But, um, <laughs> but, but you, know, you know, we're all where we're supposed to be anyway. So Michael, like when you think about Birch and Maine and the future, like where, where are you going with your brand? Like do you see Birch and Maine stores, like for example, where I live in Charlotte, North Carolina? Or do you see, um, do you see what sorts of things? things do you see for the future of your brand? And you're growing at such a, you're growing at a pretty rapid clip, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's been kind of crazy. It's been a roller coaster, a good roller coaster, Brett. So crazy. Um, that's, a, that's a good question, Donna. Uh, I would honestly, to be completely honest, I would love to see, to have stores all along the East coast all, all spread throughout the United States and, you know, the markets that we want to target. But uh, I'm not, I don't know. I never really thought of it like that far. You know, I know we have a plan to expand in New York and Long Island right now, uh, but I've never thought tri-state or doing it more for like further out because right now with the store that we have and planning on doing more stores within our, our district over here, you know, I'm really trying to pick up that the wholesale accounts now as well because that truly does help with the brand notoriety. And there's so many marketplaces coming out now, like Indigo Fair and Skew, and there's a new one, Stockable, that it's making wholesale easier than ever. Like you don't have to spend 30 hours a week emailing all these boutiques, asking if they want to carry your line. Now you could just present yourself on these platforms and you know let it go out there for the fish to bite. 
Isn't that amazing, these platforms that are showing up? It is oh, stunning to me. And, and they're all looking for indie products. Like they, yes. they just want the next new thing. It's like the opportunities are so on fire for people who are, you know, making these unique branded indie products. It's such an exciting thing to see. It makes me want to drop everything and go make candles again, but I have better sense than that because my candles... <laughs> I just need to keep buying other people's stuff and keep doing what I'm doing. But, you know, but this is what happens to a lot of people. They're like, I can make that. And then they're, you know, they're off, you know, down a rabbit hole. Um, but when, when you listen to you talk about the intention and the sacrifice, that's one of the reasons why I love doing this show because I want people to hear the stories and to understand that, you know, it's, it's a lot of glory, but it's also a lot of guts and a lot of sleepless nights. So Michael, do you and your, your husband, do you work together in the business? No, unfortunately he doesn't work with me. He'll come hang out at the store sometimes, but we like to keep those two kind of separate. You know, if I need his opinion on something, yeah, he's always there, but He's definitely not a retail guy. And he tells everybody, before I met you, Michael, the only two stores I used to shop at were Kmart, I mean, Walmart and Target. I mean, we still shop. Like, that's as far as his retail experience goes. Oh, my goodness. I bet you saw a project there, didn't you? Oh, uh, yeah. Now we it up together. I love it. I love it. Michael, what, what is your word of advice, your overall word of advice as we look forward, as we just said, how bright the opportunities are for indies in, in, in this day and time? What's your word of advice to people who want to have a brand that has some longevity and that they can actually enjoy, enjoy selling their products for years and years on end. So I heard this a few years ago, and this really inspired me, and I guess it still holds too, too true till today. You never know what chance is yours until you take it. So if you're on the fence, should I do this? Should I not do this? Should I start brands? Should I start making candles? You never know if it's going to work, or you never know if that's what you're supposed to do until you actually do it. And listen, not everything is going to work. You know, I thought I was ready to handle both the stores and do the wholesale right now and do the workshops. And, like, and I quickly realized even with help at this point in time today, it was a little too much. So, you know, and don't be afraid if something's not working to cut it loose and say bye. There's been plenty of things we've tried. We've tried a men's line that I just couldn't get to work. You know, there's been bath bombs, you know, bath bombs used to be a big, a big, big thing for us, you know, and we've seen sales for that kind of decline. We're letting that go. So, you know, it's a little boat of both. Take the, take the chance and don't be afraid to let something go if it's not working. Excellent advice. On that note, we're going to just ask you, where do we go to get your products? How do we take a class? And if we're interested in wholesale, what do we do? Uh, well, if you're, you want to take a class, go on our website, info uh, birchmaincandle.com and just shoot us an email because the classes are set up for you and your group. We don't do any classes where you're going to be with strangers. That way, when, because we serve wine during our workshops, when you're drinking wine and interacting, you're a little bit more comfortable because you're around your own girlfriends or your friends. So if you're interested in a class, we're based out of Port Jeff, Long Island. Just go on our website and shoot us an email. Uh, wholesale, you could do the same thing or shoot us an email at wholesale at birchmaincandle.com. 
We're also on Intego Fair, but it would be easier just to do us directly. Um, and I'm so sorry. What was the other question? Oh, and, um, uh, I think it was Birch your, your website. Right. Right. Birch, Birchmancandle.com. And where do you prefer to be followed? I know you're a bunch of different places. What's your favorite? Oh, it's honestly up to you guys. We use uh, our Instagram is really just to get the aesthetic across Facebook, where we do more of like the interaction and posting what's going on in the store and stuff. And both okay. um, eggs will be Birchmain Candle. Okay. Well, that gives everybody some guidance. If you really love to look at pretty pictures, let me just tell you. Well, that's not all you're going to do on their Instagram. You're going to end up buying something, which is a good thing because you need to. I just, <laughs> I just love, love what you're doing. I know you recently changed your packaging too. I saw that on yeah. your Facebook um, that you recently, uh, you know, got some, um, are they wooden lids now in the candle, yeah. some of them? So the glass, the glass jar itself is actually hand blown in the United States. Mm-hmm. And then the all cut right in Pennsylvania, uh, and they're all pine wood. Awesome. Awesome. Well, everything is just beautiful, Michael, and you Thank have you. the gift and your corporate background. I'm glad for all those people who trained you and you left because you are delivering something to the world that is truly, truly special. And I'm thankful to have you as a part of the Indie Business Network. So excited to get a chance to tell, help you tell your story and to share. And um, I will be first in line for the Caramel Nut Crunch. So, <laughs> Thank you, Donna. I really morning. appreciate it. Thank you, Michael. Have a great day and all the best to Birch Main Thank Candle. you so much. Thank you. I hope this episode of Indie Business Podcast left you inspired, motivated, and excited about the future of your small business. Let's quickly review three points that Michael shared today. Number one, stay true to your brand. Michael shared how important it is to create a vision for your brand and then stay true to that vision by reflecting it in the graphics and images you share on social media. Secondly, retail store ownership is an opportunity. Michael doesn't see retail store ownership as limiting compared to selling online. In a retail store, he says, you can tell your story to your community and interact with real live people. You can help your customers experience your products in a high-touch environment, personally advising them on the perfect purchase for them. Michael says that he is an integral part of the Birch and Main brand, and he loves to see his passion reflected in the eyes of his customers. And then thirdly, wholesale, he says, just do it. At first, it was difficult, he says, to sell individual products at a 50% discount to retail buyers. But once he did it, he never looked back. Wholesale forms the basis for more sales because stock is purchased over and over again. And their retail store customers allow you to introduce your brand to far more people than you would ever be able to do on your own, even if you have a website and a retail store like Michael does. It's been worth it, he says, to give up the increased profit margin on each individual item sold for the return of more people buying more of his products in more places. Sounds good to me. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with someone you know and help spread the word. This podcast is all about the revolution, the indie business revolution, where people are breaking the mold of traditional entrepreneurship and creating products and success on their own terms. I'm so excited to be on this journey with you. And if you're listening on iTunes, won't you do me the honor of rating this podcast? It helps me so much to know that you appreciate the amazing people and stories featured on Indie Business Podcast. You can also share episodes from my blog at IndieBusinessNetwork.com to your favorite social media outlets. 
I'll see you on the next episode of the Indie Business Podcast. In the meantime, break all the rules, build your own corporate ladder, and create the life you love.